So thankful for the promise that the scripture says we're two or more gathered in his name. He is here with us. And so we're so thankful that the spirit of God is here with us today. So thankful that you are here with us today. If you're visiting with us at Bay City Fellowship, uh, we are in the middle of a series over relationships. And today we're going to continue that conversation uh, as we talk about honoring our mother and our father. And so all the parents in the room said, amen, Amen, right? So we're going to wait while Matt goes and brings all the students back over here and Anya's going to go get all the kids. No, Uh, before you get too excited, moms and dad, yes, amen. Before you get too excited, let's remember, number one, that we all uh, have parents. And so you're not exempt from this message. I am not exempt from this message. We all have moms and dads that we need to honor. Secondly, there's more to honoring than just obeying. And parents are not without responsibility when it comes to this topic of honor. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so it's very easy to see that verse and to jump on that verse and be like, See, like you need to obey me. Right? So when my son uh, or my daughter begins to disobey me, I can go up and say, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. And they're like, why? And it's no longer because I said so. It's because God said so. Look, right here, Colossians 3.20, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And it's really easy to stop there and to jump on that and use it to our advantage. But we need to continue to read and we need to read this verse in full context. And when we do, we see very quickly that it falls under the understanding that the parents are the ones that lead the way in honor. And that this is enveloped in a whole concept of honor in the household and in relationships with one another. Colossians 3, 18 to 21. It says this in full context. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So we see as we read this about the, the relationship in the home that everybody holds responsibility when this idea of honor comes about. Right? So wives are honoring to the husband. And husband, you're loving and honoring to the wife. And, and so you lay that example down for your, your children so that then they can obey you uh, because they know that you're leading them well and that you're leading them in an honorable way. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And so we all hold responsibility in this idea of honor. So honoring your mother and your father. It's hard for me to talk about parents without thinking about my parents and all the memories that I have growing up. And we could be here all morning long with just memory after memory. And I would enjoy that, but you'd probably be like, dude, I need to eat sometime. So like, good, I'm glad that you have all these memories, but let's move on. But I did want to share a few of them with you. Um, I remember when I was 12, one of my fondest memories of a kid growing up, one of, to this day, one of my favorite uh, times that I ever had was when me and my dad went on a special trip. He says, son, uh, I just want us to have some guy time. So I planned this whole trip, me and you, we're going to go fishing in the ocean. And we're going to, I mean, it's going to be great. We're going to go out and we're going to do wade fishing and, and we're going to catch all this fish. And then we're going to come back on the shore and we're going to build a fire and we're going to cook all the fish that we cooked. And then we're going to throw up a tent on the beach and we're going to sleep on the beach. Like this is going to be a man's trip. Like we're going to, we're going to rough it, man. We're going to have a, a great time. It's going to be like the, the trip of all trips for men. Like we're leaving the girls at home because they can't hack it because we're sleeping on the beach and we're making our own fire and we're cooking our own food. It's going to be great. And so as a 12-year-old boy, I was jazzed. I was like, man, like, let's go. Like I'm ready to be a man, you know, and my dad had everything all planned out. And I remember we headed down to Galveston Island and we got there and we went out and we fished and was having a great day and caught a lot of fish uh, that day. And then we come in at night and we built a fire and we began to cook uh, our fish over the fire and we began to eat the meal that we have 
caught for ourselves that day. So we're really feeling like men. And about that time, a swarm of mosquitoes came and sat right on top of us and began to attack us. And I don't know if it's true or not, but in my memory, like they weren't even bothering me. It was like my dad doing the little dance over here, trying to swat them away. And I'm like, dad, what's going on? He's like, these stinking mosquitoes, you know. But it was this time, so like we're trying to enjoy ourselves. Mosquitoes come and attack us. Uh, And then it's time to go to bed. So we climb into the tent and we go to sleep, and then as soon as we fall asleep, the tent literally rips off the top of us as a storm blows in, and the winds just began to hurl. And, re- and so our tent literally is flipping down the beach as we're standing there going, what do we do now? Like, are we just going to sleep on the sand? Are we going to, you know, like, what, what's going to happen? And so my dad is trying to hold it in, but he's getting frustrated, and he's mumbling words under his breath, and he's like, just what are we going to do, and stupid mosquitoes, and stupid wind, and, and so like he's doing it, and I'm kind of laughing at the whole situation, because our tent's literally flying down the beach, and I'm a 12-year-old boy, so everything's funny, and so my dad's like, all right, we're going to get into the car, and we're just going to figure this out, and so we jump into the car, I remember we drove around, and we could not find a hotel anywhere that had vacancy. So we drove, and we drove, and we drove. And we finally landed in this one hole-in-the-wall place. And I don't even remember the name of the place, but I do uh, remember this, that they charged by the hour. And so it was just one of those kind of places. And I remember walking into the room, and it just was not a good situation. And the, the walls were like this weird pink color, and there were stains on the wall. And I remember looking at my dad going, Dad, I think I saw this on TV once, and it did not end up well. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but we made it through the night, and we ended up getting up and fished more the next day and everything. And I went back home thinking, man, like, that was the best time ever. That was adventure, man. Like, our tent blew away, and we survived, and we had to go find a place. And, man, we stayed in Bates Motel and survived, and it was great. It's so, like I was telling all my friends about this adventure we have, and I remember my dad overhearing him one time talk about how that was the, like, oh, I just failed as a dad. And I'm like, no, that was, like, to this day the greatest trip I ever had. So I remember times like that. I remember uh, my mom, and this is just a little glimpse into to my foolishness at times. And so when I was a teenager, um, the Houston Oilers were still here in town. And uh, there you go. Uh, and so uh, there was a, a player on their team by the name of Jeff Alm, and he had actually tragically committed suicide. And it was a, a very sad time. So my dad was a pastor, and he was up in church, and he brought that up as part of his message. And so uh, a friend of mine sitting next to me was a knife collector, and he just got a brand new knife. And so he pulls it out in church. He's like, dude, look what I bought this weekend. And I'll flip it open. It's a sweet blade. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. So then I thought it would be funny, you know, with the whole topic at hand to go, hey, look, I'm going to kill myself. Ha, ha, ha. And then my friend sitting next to me is like, don't be an idiot. And they elbowed me. And when they did, the knife literally slit my wrist all the way to the bone. And I remember looking down going, and I just grabbed my wrist. I didn't know what to do. So I'm like panicking going, I just killed myself, but yet I'm not dead yet. And so like, I'm like holding my wrist together going, what am I going to do? And so I stand up and my mom's a couple rows back and I'm like, mom, I need to talk to you. And she's like, sit down, shut up. And I'm like, mom, I need to talk to you. Your dad's preaching. Sit down. We'll talk about it later. I'm like, mom. And so she's like, go outside. And so we go outside and we go into the foyer. And I remember her walking out. She's like, son, this better be good. And so I didn't even say anything. I just let go of my wrist and it opens up and her eyes like bug out. Her mouth drops. She's like, get into the car. Like we've got to go. And so I pinch it again. I'm running to the car and she's all in a frantic and let's go. And she's pulls out and and I remember as we began to get onto the highway, uh, she looked at me. She's like, son, hold on tight because we're about to go. And she punches it. And I look over there, and the speedometer is bouncing on 55. And I'm, like, I'm like, whoa. Like, man, let's not break any laws here, Mom. You know? And so luckily, I mean, obviously I'm here today. She got me there in time and all as well. Uh, after some counseling and all, I'm like, I didn't really want to kill myself. but still had to go through the counseling. It was great. There's another time. Um, 
after I was married, uh, and, and we were going to meet my parents one night, and they were like, hey, you might get there before us, but if so, just wait for us, and we'll be there pretty quick. And so like, all right, and sure enough, we got there before uh, my parents did. And so uh, all the doors are locked, but I'm like, hey, you know what? I got a key to the back door. We'll just go in the back door. And so I do open the back door. We go in, and we sit down. So my parents show up, and they walk in the front door, and they're like, what are you doing in the house? Like, how did you get into our house? And I'm like, oh, I've got a key. Like, you've got a key to our house? Yeah, the back door. And he's like, you don't have a key to the back door. I'm like, yeah, I have a key to the back door. He goes, the back door hasn't worked in years. We don't even have keys that work in the back door. And I'm like, oh, remember when I was a senior in high school? And he just kind of looks at me. I'm like, uh, I locked myself out of the house once, and I kicked the door in, and it busted the whole jam out. So I literally replaced the door, the jam, and all that before they ever came home so that they would never know. <laughs> and I forgot to tell them. And so, like, I still had the key. So, like, I handed my dad the key, and I'm like, here, this might help you out. And I gave him the key, and he looks at me. It was great. It was great. And we can continue on, but I got one more, and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, I remember as a grown adult, um, really reaching some spiritual maturity. I promise there is maturity here in spots. And so I reached some spiritual maturity, and I was like, really felt God impressed me. Like, you need to go make things right with your parents. You need to go and just confess, because I was not the best a role model of what a teenager should look like growing up, especially in a pastor's home. And so uh, I remember going to my parents' house and just sitting them down like, guys, like, I just want to confess before you uh, the way that I lived under your roof. And I just I want to ask for forgiveness. And so I began just to lay out all this stuff that I did while living in their home. And I said, I just, I love you guys and I honor you. I just, I just pray that you could forgive me. And I'm so sorry that I did not that I did not uh, honor you well when I lived under your home. And I remember just sitting there going, okay, like I got it out. And I had Deborah with me, so she was like my support. And so I kind of look at her, and she kind of looks at me, and like nothing's going on. And my parents are silent. And I'm like, did I just make a mistake? Like what? And so my dad slowly gets up out of the seat. And I'm like, what's going on? And he begins to walk away. And I'm just watching him. He goes over to the phone, and he picks it up, and he dials my sister's number. And he gets on the phone, and I'm sitting there going, like, what is going on? And all I hear him say is, Connie, uh, your brother just sat down in my living room and confessed everything he has ever done in his life to me. And so all I want you to know is that whatever you did, I forgive you, but please do not tell me. And he hangs up the phone. True story. True story. <laughs> true story. It's just great times, but. I was definitely blessed with wonderful parents, and I look back on my childhood with very fond memories, and I was lucky to have parents that loved me. Uh, I'm lucky to still have parents that love me, and that would do anything for me even to this day. But I know that that's not the case for everybody in this room. When we look around and we see this many people in one room, I know that maybe your memories of growing up are not as fond as mine. And I realize that there, uh, when I bring, when I think back at my parents and my childhood, it brings smiles and it brings warmth. But maybe to you, it brings heartache and maybe it brings uh, pain in, into your life. And, and I understand that. Uh, the memories of growing up just aren't the fondest. And so when you hear this phrase, honor your parents, your stomach turns and just thinking about it. And I understand, and we're going to go there in a little bit. We're going to talk about what does that look like for you in a little bit. What we do need to realize is that whether our experience with our parents were good or, was good or bad, uh, whether it was healthy or unhealthy, we are commanded by God to honor our parents. And this command to honor our mother and our father is found several times throughout Scripture, uh, both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And never in any of those instances is there a caveat. Never is there ever uh, an asterisk with a footnote on the bottom of the page that says, honor your mother and your father, asterisk on the bottom, if they were good to you. There's never that found. 
There's never a honor your mother and your father if they lived honorable, if they treated you well, if they loved you well. There's never that. It just says honor your mother and your father. And in fact, it's so important to God that he chose it as one of the Ten Commandments. And I know oftentimes we go to Exodus and we read through them and we tend to think of them as the Ten Suggestions, but that just doesn't cut it. It just doesn't provide the fullness of it. And so Jesus says, look, there's a way that you should live your life. There's some guidelines that you need to go through. There's these commandments that if you live by them, uh, you're going to find fullness in life. And so he lays out these Ten Commandments, and right in the middle of it, it's this idea of honoring your mother and father. It talks about uh, honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And then on this side it says, do not murder. And right in the middle is honor your mother and your father. Uh, Exodus twenty twelve: honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord, uh, your God, is giving you. And some other places in Scripture where we see this idea of honoring your mothers and your fathers is Proverbs 1, 8, where Solomon is talking. And he says, hear, my son, your father's instructions and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 13, 1, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs thirty seventeen: the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Now that sounds kind of like a horror movie that a parent would write, doesn't it? Coming to a theater near you, the eyes of the mockers. I mean, like, it's like, and then written by your parents. But, uh, you know, like the guys walking around, what happened to you? I mocked my dad. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. But that's what it says. It says, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey his mother will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Serious stuff. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. And then we've already read Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so quickly this morning, I want us to look at, first of all, what does it mean to honor our parents? What does it mean to honor our parents? Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines honor as this, to respect greatly, to regard highly, and to treat with deference and courtesy. The Hebrew word for honor in Scripture is kabed, which literally means to make heavy or to give weight to. And so we, we make heavy of that relationship. We give weight to that relationship. We give honor to that relationship. So when we honor our parents, it means choosing to place great value upon our relationship with them. When we choose to honor our parents, it means respecting them and their place of authority. We need to remember that honor isn't just based on personal qualities. It's based on the position that is also being held. It's kind of like the president of the United States. So we bring up the, the current administration and we talk about president of the United States of America. And it might ignite different feelings within you guys. And some of you here might be, man, I love this administration and I agree with this guy. Others of you, uh, you probably can't say out loud in a church building what you feel about it. And that's okay. But the thing is, is that no matter how you feel about the person that holds the office, you still give honor and respect because of the position that he holds. And so to this day, if Barack Obama was to walk into service, we'd honor him and we'd give respect to him. Why? Because he's the president of the United States of America. Because he holds a place of authority over us. And Scripture says that we are to obey and we're to honor authority. And so it's because of the position. And the same thing is true with our parents. Uh, sometimes we just respect them, not because of their personal qualities, but because of the position that they hold in our lives. Honoring our parents means not kidding ourselves into thinking they don't matter to us. I mean, even if they have caused us pain, even if the thought of honoring our mom and dad hurts us, the reason it hurts is because it matters. And so we need to realize that that relationship does matter to us. 
Honoring our parents means recognizing what they have done right in their life, even if that just means that they gave you life, because that's a pretty big deal. We would not be here if it weren't for our parents. So recognizing what they did right. Honoring our parents means seeing them as Christ sees them, with love, compassion, and mercy, the same way that he sees us. Number two, why do we honor our parents? Why do we honor our parents? First and foremost, because Jesus led the way. And as Christ followers, we, our aim is to be like Christ. It is to be Christ-alike. And so as we follow Christ, we realize that he led the way in honoring his parents, both earthly and heavenly. To his earthly parents, we see in Luke 2 the story of his parents going uh, to Jerusalem for the, for the Feast of Pentecost. And so they go all the way to Jerusalem, and they spend the day there, and they, they go through Pentecost, and they're coming home. And a few days into the journey, they're looking around. They're like, uh, Joseph, have you seen Jesus anywhere? And he's like, no, I thought he was with you. And she's like, no, I thought he was with you. Well, maybe he's back here. And they begin to look around, and they realize that Jesus isn't with them. So this uh, panic begins to set in, and they're like, oh, my goodness, we just lost the Son of God. Like, what are we going to do? I mean, like, how do you explain that? God, we lost your son. Like, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, but they just lost the Son of God. And so they're, like, beginning to panic. Like, we need to find the Son of God. Like, it's pretty important. And so they begin to search around, and they can't find him anywhere. So they go back to Jerusalem. And they begin to look around Jerusalem, and it says that after about a day of searching, they find him. And where do they find him? They find him in the temple, and he is teaching, and he's reading Scripture, and he's listening to teaching, and listening to others read Scripture. And they're like, Jesus, like, what are you doing here? And he's like, man, like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And like, well, didn't you know that you're worrying us sick? Like, we are sick and worried, wondering where you're at and wondering if you're okay. Like, like next time, at least tell somebody where you're going to go. And Jesus could have very easily dropped the God bomb. He could have been like, well, don't you know I'm God? But it isn't. What does it say in chapter 2, verse 21? It says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them because he honored their place of authority over his life at that time, and he honored them as his parents. And in John 19, verses 26 and 27, we see Jesus up on the cross, and he's about to die. He's about to give his last breath, and he's scanning out over the audience, over the the spectators that had gathered at the foot of the cross, and there was his mother weeping uh, and broken, and he looks down at his mom, and he's just moved, uh, his heart is moved towards her, and he says, Mom, behold your son, And he looks at John sitting next to her. And he looks at John, the beloved disciple, and he says, John, behold your mother. See, he honors his mother even to his last breath, wanting to make sure that she was taken care of and loved for. He honored his earthly parents. He leads the way. And then with his heavenly father, we see all through Scripture, time and time again, Jesus uh, slipping away to spend time with his dad, slipping away to spend time with his father, having those quiet, intimate moments with just him and his heavenly father. And time and time again, that is where he goes to draw strength. That is where he goes to, to refocus. That is where he goes uh, just to keep on track and, and the, to keep that relationship fresh. And, and then in Matthew 26, 39, as he faces the cross, he's in the garden and he's praying. And it, it says that this conversation with his father is so intense that, that he begins to actually sweat drops of blood. And as these uh, drops of blood begin to roll down his face, he's on his hands and his knees, and he's going like, this story really doesn't sound great at this time. I understand the story. I understand the narrative, and I understand my role in that. I understand what my character has to do in this story, and I'm really not too fond about it. And so he's like before the Father, and he's like, if there is any other way, if there is any other way than having to do what I have to do, then God, please let this cup pass from me. And he could have, in a moment, said, God, I don't want to do this. And I truly believe that God would have been like, okay, son, let's go. 
He could have at any moment said, all right, angels, come and rescue me. And I truly believe that legions of angels would have swooped down and would have rescued him from that situation. But as he sat there in the garden with agony, sweating drops of blood, his words were this, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted to the will of his father because he knew that his father had a plan. And he was a part of that plan. And so he honored his father and submitted to his will. So we honor our parents because Jesus led the way. We honor our parents because when we do so, we honor God. God has placed a heavy emphasis on honoring our parents, and so we need to honor them, not because they deserve it, but because God told us to, because God commanded it. And by doing so, we honor God because we're living in obedience to him. He says, this is how I know that you love me, by following my commandments. And so he says, honor your mother and father, and we do so and we live in obedience, and we bring him honor as we do. We honor our parents. Uh, we honor our parents because when we do so, it is a testimony to God. When we honor our parents, it brings a testimony to the name of God. It lifts God's name higher. It puts him on a pedestal so others can see and they can witness the, the way that we are living, even in the face of adversity. When we honor our parents, others, including our parents, will see the supernatural love of, of God at work in our lives, especially when our parents aren't honorable people. I was talking about this to some of my friends, and, and my friend Damien said this. He's like, hey, it's the gospel according to Damien, but this is what I truly feel on the situation. He says, this all points back to the two greatest commandments, love God and love people. We love people because we love God, and loving God helps us love people. We honor and respect our parents because, why? We love God. And loving God helps us to love our parents even when we don't agree with them when it seems inconvenient for us, when it is uncomfortable, and when it doesn't make sense. We honor, obey, and respect our parents because we love God. The Bible says that people will know that we are his disciples by the way that we have love for one another, and I believe that that includes our parents. It makes me think of, uh, of my mom and my grandpa. Uh, with this whole idea in mind, I, I called up my mom, and I heard stories about how my grandpa wasn't always an honorable man, and how he had even had tendencies to be a mean man at sometimes. But yet, all my memories of him was this God-fearing man that was a pastor and that loved his family and that was good to all of us. And so I'm like, Mom, tell me a little bit of Grandpa's story. And so she does, and she begins to tell me how uh, he was just that a dishonorable man. Like he would go out at night and he would get drunk and he would always going in and out of bars, and he would be getting in bar fights and getting arrested, and he would just cause a ruckus everywhere he went. And then he would come home, and he'd bring that meanness into the home, and he would just treat the family with that same kind of attitude. And she talked about how it was kind of a rough uh, place to be in, a rough relationship to be a part of. And, and she said that it was in the midst of all of that that her neighbor invited her to church, and she went to church with her, with her neighbor. And, and in going to church with her neighbor, she chose to accept Jesus Christ as part uh, into her heart as Lord and Savior. And so she entered into a relationship with Jesus. And, and it changed the way that she viewed life. And it changed the way, even as a little girl, that she viewed her father. And so she began to come home and begin to love on him and begin to honor him, regardless of the way that he acted. And so he would come home mean and drunk, and she would say, Dad, I love you. And she would begin to just speak words of love. And she began to speak, you know, uh, Christ into his life. And that happened day after day. And then one day, my, uh, her uncle, my grandpa's brother, uh, comes over to the house, and he's like, Bill, like, I need to talk to you. This pastor down the road will not leave me alone. Like, week after week after week, this guy comes to my house, and he keeps telling me I need to be in church, and he keeps inviting me to the church, and he just will not leave me alone. And so, like, will you just please go to church with me so this guy will get off my back? And my grandpa 
uh, said, you know what, like, my, my daughter's been telling me about this Jesus guy, and so maybe I should go check it out. And so he decides to go with his brother, and in doing so, the pastor gives an altar call for people to come and accept Christ into the life, and my grandfather goes forward, and he accepts Jesus into his life. And he becomes a changed man, and he begins a heritage in my family where now I have a grandfather and a father and, and on both sides that have given their life to ministry, and he's part of that heritage now. And that has been passed on to me. Why? Because a, a little girl decided to love her father and to honor her father, even in the midst of adversity, even in the, when it wasn't easy to do, by loving and showing Christ. And then also we honor our parents because when we honor our parents, we lead the way for our kids to honor us. And that's not so that we get the honor and get puffed up, but so that they can live in the blessing of being obedient to their Heavenly Father. And so we lead the way. We show them what it looks like to honor and then they follow and they honor. And they get to reap the blessings of being obedient to God. So how do we honor our parents? Three, how do we honor our parents? Real quickly, we live righteously. Proverbs 23, verses 24 to 25. Proverbs 23, verses 24 to 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. And so we live righteously because whenever we live well, it looks well upon our, our parents and upon our home. How many of you uh, have ever sent your kids out into someone else's care, whether it be school, whether it be to a friend's house, uh, whether it just be out on the night, and you tell them as they walk out the door, remember whose name you're carrying. Remember when you go out, you represent this household. Remember when you go out, you represent my name. My dad used to tell me that all the time. When you go out and you choose to make decisions, when you're at their house, you respect them because you're, the way that you live represents me, and it reflects back on me. And I tell my kids the same way. Remember, the way you live reflects on me, and it reflects on your relationship as a Christian, and so you need to honor that well. And it's this whole idea of when we live righteously, it honors them. We honor our parents uh, by loving graciously. We honor our parents by loving graciously. Proverbs nineteen twenty six. He who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so we love graciously. So not just in return to love given to us, but we love without asking anything in return. And we love graciously, and we love the way that God has loved us. We love them. And then we speak lovingly. We speak lovingly to them and about them. Proverbs twenty twenty: if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp would be put out in utter darkness. Ephesians 4, 20, uh, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And so we speak lovingly to and about our parents. Regardless of the way they speak to us, we speak back to them with respect and without love. And with love. And when we speak to others about them, uh, we speak with love and we speak with respect. It's that whole idea that we all have been told growing up, if you can't say anything nice, what? Don't say anything at all. It can be said true here. That's how we honor our mother and our father. We speak lovingly to and about them. And if we can't say anything nice, we don't say anything at all. We hold those words back. We don't walk around with resentment and words of hate. So you're sitting here this morning, you're like, Ernest, man, all this sounds great, but what if I don't want to honor my parents? What if I just do not want to do this? It just doesn't make sense to me. 
Well, let me read to you uh, Romans 1. And, and in this context, it's speaking of God's wrath on the unrighteous. And in verses 29 to 31, it is describing the unrighteous. And as it does so, it lists uh, being disobedient to parents and not giving them honor uh, as part of that context. So Romans 1, 29 to 31 says this, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And in 2 Timothy 3, 2, it is describing the last days and the condition of people in the last days. It says people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They will be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. And the list goes on to include such things as people being without self-control, lovers of pleasure rather than of God, and people having an appearance of godliness but denying the power thereof. And it says to avoid these type of people. And so as we strive to live like Christ, as we say that we are Christians, as we try to live a life focused on pleasing God and following Christ, these are not the kinds of lists that we want to be a part of. As we hand over our resume as a follower of Jesus, we do not want to be like, oh yeah, by the way, I kind of made this list here, but it's, you know, let's just not talk about it. We do not want to be in these lists. And so we honor our mother and our father even when it doesn't make sense. But you don't understand, you don't know my parents, you don't know the extent of the hurt that they have caused me, you don't know how they treated me, you don't know the abuse that I had to endure at their hands, you don't know the way that they neglected me, you don't know the words that they have spoken into me. There's so much hurt there, like you do not even understand, and you're right, I don't understand. But it doesn't matter, and it doesn't change the fact that God commands us to honor our parents, even when they don't deserve it. So I might not understand what you've gone through. And I will admit that. I might not ever uh, understand the pain that you have felt when it comes to your mom and your dad and, and the, the way that they have hurt you and caused pain in your life. But that does not change the fact that God commands us to love them and to honor them, even when they don't deserve it. My friend Robert said this about it. He says, as Christians, we are called to honor parents, regardless of their spiritual journey. Obviously, it's a little easier to do if parents are walking in step with Christ and making solid decisions. In those cases, a child would need only to model what they see. However, as you and I know, this is seldom the case. So we are called to honor people who are not following hard after God. Sounds impossible at first until you realize it's the same exact calling we have in every, every uh, other area of life. We are to love the unlovable. We are to give to the undeserving. We are to reach the unreachable. It is no surprise that God would have us honor those who, cho- who he chose to bring us into this world. And then he finished by saying, the honoring, I think, does more for us than it does for them. And so we honor our moms and our dad. Matthew 5, 44 to 47. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So I understand that this can be a difficult concept to grasp. And I understand for some of you it's very hard to come to the realization that we need to love and honor our mothers and our fathers. 
But what we do need to do today is to realize that loving a hurtful person does not come from our own abilities. It comes from the supernatural love of Jesus, who died for us even while we were undeserving and full of sin. We never deserve the love that God has shown towards us. How many times have we turned our backs on him? How many times have we disrespected him? How many times uh, have we uh, hurt him and yet he chooses to love us still? In fact, Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. The world mocks him. The world denies him. And in some cases, they outright hate him. And yet John 3.16 still says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so we love with that same kind of love, and we live with that same kind of of love uh, pushing in and through us. It is with the same supernatural love that we honor our parents, even when they're uh, unhonorable, when they're dishonorable, uh, that we love them, even when they're unlovable, and, and that we pray for them, even when they hurt us. It's important for us when we talk about this to also realize and to understand that honoring your parents does not mean ignoring or denying the past. So when I'm saying honor your mom and dad, love your mom and dad with the love that God has, it doesn't mean that you're ignoring or denying the past. It doesn't mean that the way that they have hurt you is okay. It doesn't mean excusing their behavior. And it doesn't mean staying in a hurtful and unhealthy relationship. It just means that we do not actively seek to hurt them. It means that we do not repay evil for evil or hate for hate. We give it to God, and through his help we rise above We love them, we pray for them, and we live out the gospel in front of them. Romans 12, 9 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So as we close here, I have some challenges that I want to leave us with when it comes to honoring our parents, especially those parents who have hurt us. And the first challenge is this, is to forgive them. To forgive them. And remember that forgiving them does not mean that what they did is okay. The second is to extend mercy. When your parents uh, hurt you, instead of seething with anger, look at them with compassion, putting aside the bitterness that tries to form in your heart. And we do this by remembering the mercy that God has extended to us. When I think of this, it reminds me of the love of God where we find... um, in Scripture, one of my favorite pastors to listen to is Judah Smith, and he has this one sermon where he talks about Christ and, and Barabbas. And I listen to it over and over again because it's so powerful. And he, he talks about how that Jesus and Barabbas were brought before the people, and Pilate is looking at the people, and he's saying, look, like I'm able to give back to you uh, one of these prisoners. Which ones do you want? Over here you have Barabbas. He's a murderer, and he's a thief. Uh, and over here you have Jesus. Who do you want me to release? And the crowd began to shout out, Barabbas, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And Pilate looks around and he's so confused. He's like, Barabbas, Barabbas is a murderer. He's a thief. He has done nothing but hurt and cause pain. What has Jesus done? He's done nothing but heal. He's done nothing but, but come around people and loved on people. Like, why are you wanting to set Barabbas free? And the people began to yell out, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And so he sets Barabbas free. And he makes out the point, like, Barabbas, you never see Barabbas looking over at Jesus and saying, thank you, Jesus, for now I am set free. 
he just goes on about his life and the people set forth to crucify Christ. And he says, I had a hard time with why would God set Barabbas free and keep Jesus in that situation when he knew that Barabbas would never turn, uh, more than likely never turn to give his life to him. And, and he goes, and it was when th- then that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I realized that the Father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Man, when I heard that, it was like, oh, so true. And he goes, and it really hit home when I realized that I am Barabbas. And the truth is, is here today, we are all Barabbases. And the Father had to treat Jesus like Barabbas so that he could treat us like Jesus. He had to send his son to the cross so that he could call us sons and daughters of his own. And it is with that same love, it is with that same mercy that we love and we honor our parents and we extend mercy to them. Not because they deserve it, but because we love with the love of God that doesn't make sense. Because God first loved us. Third thing, my challenge for you is to forgive them, to extend mercy, and then to live the gospel. Live the gospel in front of them. Don't repay evil for evil, but show love and live your faith out loud. Actions speak louder than words. And so when you love them, even when they don't deserve it, you are showing them Christ. That's what happened with my mom and my grandfather. You love them. And you live out the gospel in front of them. It will make an impact. And then last, pray for them. Pray for them. And these things all hold true with any relationships that we have in life, but especially with honoring our mothers and our fathers. But pray for them. Make it a priority to pray every day that God would change their hearts. Pray that he would grant them the gift of salvation. And pray that he will heal and restore your relationship. And I know that's a big thing to pray for, but pray for healing and restoration. And so as we close, I know that as I mentioned several times, that this is hard for some of you guys. And I'm asking you to forgive. And I'm asking you to, to extend mercy. And I'm asking you to pray for someone who may have hurt you very deeply. And so I wanted to do something real quick. If I could have, where's Wayne and Sterling? Where are you guys at? They're going to do me a favor. They're going to come forward. And I want them to lead us in a prayer of repentance on behalf of parents who have hurt you. And if you're here today and you need to forgive your mom and dad for the hurt that they caused in your life, if you need to extend mercy to them, then I pray as you hear the prayer of Wayne and and Sterling that that you would accept this prayer of repentance and that you would, uh, in that, be able to forgive your mom and your dad, that that you would take that first step to honoring them. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you today, Lord, with a humble spirit. Father, we thank you for this, uh, this word of conviction from uh, Pastor Ernest today. As we know as, as children, Father, that we uh, have not always honored you. And so first, Father, I ask that we would just come to you on our knees, Lord, begging forgiveness for our sins and for our shortcomings as children. Father, and as you forgive us, we praise you for that, Lord, but we then want to turn our hearts toward our parents. And Father, many of us have come from broken homes, whether it's been divorce or 
substance abuse or other kinds of of sins, Lord, in our lives. We have come in, in a family atmosphere where we weren't always felt uh, your love and your presence. But, Father, as we have heard today, you call on us to forgive. You call on us to take the love that you have given us and to give that love to our parents. And, Father, so I just pray today that we would all be convicted in our hearts, uh, Father, to love on our parents. And, Father, especially when we have not had the kind of, of love and support, Father, that uh, you have intended for us to have in our home, Father, that we could step up and just show your love in a way that is supernatural, Father, that you would receive the honor and the glory and the praise and that we could just live out our lives uh, as an example for our parents and for our children, Lord, so that, Father, we would have that legacy continue, Father, in your love of, uh, of us. And so we thank you today. We love you, and we give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus.